What an awesome day, right? God's got breakthrough for us. And it's not just here on this moment, is it? Breakthrough is to be something we carry with us like every single day. And it's something we're supposed to cultivate in our families. And that's what we've been talking a lot about is families. And, and doing the Bible in our families. Living the word of God in our families. Like this isn't Christianity. I, and, and it's sad because what we've done in, in the West is, is we've turned your Christian experience into a two-hour experience. Like we've checked all the boxes for you, like worship, prayer, uh, hearing the Bible, serving, like all the boxes, you know, that Jesus said we're supposed to live every day. We, we cram it into this two hour and we feel real good about ourselves. But then we don't understand why we're struggling on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, Friday, and we're hanging on and here comes Sunday get my Jesus on, and get my worship on. Man, that's not what Jesus died for. That's not what he gave us the Holy Spirit for. Like he literally gave us this amazing helper. And he doesn't just help us get our butt out of bed to be at church. Like that's the least of it. Like he should be following us to church. You know what I'm saying? Like he's like, hang on, I'm coming. Let's go. We're going. But, but we've taken our Christian experience and we have slammed it right into a two-hour block. And that's it. That's my Christianity. I got serving, worship, prayer, Bible, communion, fellowship a little bit, before and after. Done. No, we're not done. This is just like the family reunion. This is like the party. This is the... Happy birthday, happy anniversary moment. That's all we're doing here. This is not your Christianity. And we've been looking at the Acts chapter 2 family of God. 242, it talks about what kind of family they were like. You know, it's like their photo album. We get to see these really cool snapshots of, of this family and what it was like because they, they, they lived so close to when all the cool stuff was happening. I mean, they're about 50 or 60 days away from Jesus being resurrected. I, I, you know, the Holy Spirit's come, and they've got this power that moves through them they've never, ever seen or experienced anywhere. They didn't have a bunch of, you know, TV evangelists who used to do it. It's ruined it for us and made us cynical about healing, faith, all that stuff. They didn't have all of that garbage. They just had an encounter with heaven. And it changed them. It transformed them. They were different people when they joined the family of God. And when because they were changed and they were different, they lived different. That's what Christianity is. Christianity is a doing sport. Now, the problem I know we get into is, is that religion says, well, it's a doing sport and that's what makes you right. That's wrong. Religion is wrong. You don't have to do right to be right. That's religion. Religion is you are right, so do right. You are right, do right. Jesus said, live like I live. 
Be holy like I'm holy. As you see me, as you see me, you've seen the Father. Do what we're doing. That's Christianity. This isn't. You listening, this is just a little tiny piece to encourage us and to go, man, I can do it. I can get up Monday morning and I can go to school and I can be awesome and not be afraid of my faith. I can go to work and not be afraid of of being a, a faith person. That's Christianity. That's what happens when a person is full of the Holy Spirit. Full. Not dry. Like we love to live. I live that way. I get dried up. I can tell when I'm getting dry because I get cynical. I get sarcastic. I get, I get you know, bent out of shape easy. I, you know, I'm just not happy. I just find what's wrong with myself and my family and all of you. I'm sorry. <laughs> it happens. And I know it's happening this way as well. <laughs> But being full of the Holy Spirit is the only way to live our life. It's really it. That's the only option you have. Otherwise, you're going to do miserable Christianity. You're going to do burned out Christianity. You're going to do bad Christianity. You're going to be more fascinated with your phone. Hi. Okay, I'm going to need all of you to pass them to the front. Put them up here on the front seats. They'll be here at the end of service. Who's my youth? Reel them in. Parents, don't let your kids have their phones. That's right. Text your kids to put their phone away. Oh, that is just the epitome of the generation we're in. Why would I talk to my children? Why would we go in the car and at the dinner table and talk about protocol for being in a holy space? I'll text it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. You can take notes on your phone. But we're looking at the Acts 242 family. And we're looking at that family and we're saying, that's got to be what my family looks like. That's what my family is supposed to look like. Acts 2.42 family, the family of God. That's where we've been for several weeks. We are digging down on this one verse because there is so much packed into that verse. Because again, this year we are going after what it looks like to be a healthier, a more mature family of God. Because we got to be healthier and we got to be more mature. Both at home, like with my wife and my natural children, and here in our spiritual family. Brothers and sisters, spiritual moms and dads, spiritual kids. At New Covenant, God is calling us to dig deeper and to reach farther when it comes to building revival families. And if revival needs to happen anywhere, it needs to happen in our families. has to happen there spiritual waking of our nation will happen when your family is spiritually woke and we've been learning we've been learning it's devotion to the essentials that gives birth to revival families 
And that's why we've been looking in Acts 2.42. Because God, he gave birth to his supernatural family when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, right? It says in, in verse uh, 41, it says, Those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Man, that's how you start a church. That's a church plant. I mean, I don't even know any mega churches that start church plants with just plopping 3,000 people somewhere. 3,000 people were added to the church when the Holy Spirit fell on those who were in that room praying. And then verse 42 tells us the result of how they lived. It says they devoted themselves. Devoted. Say that word, devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. The Acts 2.42 family of God, they lived devoted. They lived devoted, not just on Sunday, not just when we had our, you know, our leadership meetings or our ministry team opportunities, whatever. It was every single day. Every day they lived devoted. And again, how did they manage to do that? We've been talking about it. They did it because they were full. They were full of the Holy Spirit. If you're not living devoted every day, you're not full yet. It's not about digging in and pulling up my boots and I'm going to just do it better and bigger and harder and faster. That's never worked for anyone. It's about being more full. It's about soaking in the Holy Spirit. It's about asking Him to fill you ever again, over and over and over. To be devoted, to live continuously devoted to the essentials. We've got to be full of the Holy Spirit. We have a need to live devoted to what God has called important. See, one of our problems that we have is that we lose passion. We have a need to live devoted, but our problem is we lose our passion. We leak being full of the Holy Spirit. Now, thankful for us, God's got a solution. It's not a hard one. You just keep asking. You just keep asking. Asking every day. Who woke up this morning and said, fill me up? All four of you. Awesome. Do you realize how awesome these moments would be in worship if you actually came full? Instead of coming to get full? I'm burned out. I'm depressed. I've got no life. (laughs) Fix me with your worship, oh, worship team. Man, signs, wonders, miracles, salvation. When the glory of the Lord fills this place because glorious ones are full of his presence. That's how we get the glory. God doesn't care about this building. You know how much goes on when we're not in here? Nothing. 
nothing. I have yet to walk in here in 22 years and see God just dancing all by himself. <laughs> it just, I've never seen it. Never felt that. But when I come in and I jam some jams and I'm up here praying, guess what? He's here. Because he's looking for me, not my building. So God has a solution to our leaking. It's just keep asking. Keep asking. God's solution for us to continuously be filled is to continuously be asking and be filled so that we can live this devoted life. And the other thing we've been learning is that we have a need to remember. We have a need to remember what the Lord has done. Now we have this problem. We easily forget what God has done in our lives. We just do. We just forget. We don't think about it. But guess what? God has another solution. He said, be devoted to the breaking of bread, taking communion, and remembering what God has done. It's powerful. I've had so many people tell me as they've, they've, take, they've went home with their families and their small groups and they've, they did this. They're like, oh my gosh, I forgot that God did this thing when I was thinking about it and I remembered, God, man, God did this thing. That's powerful. We have a need to remember what God has done. Being devoted to the breaking of bread, that's how we fix that problem. And then we talked about the need to belong. Every one of us has a need to belong. Everyone. The problem we have is that we isolate, that we disconnect ourselves from others, and we live these lonely, secluded lives. But God's got a great solution. He said, be devoted to fellowship. Be devoted to fellowship. Be devoted to a spiritual family. A spiritual family that shares and cares for one another. You see, for every need that we have as people, every need that we have, God has created us. Every need he, he put in us when we were formed in his thoughts and, in his, and then he put us in our mother's womb. Every need we have, sin has created a problem for it. And for every problem that gets in the way of our need being filled, God has a simple solution. Everyone say simple. Simple. It has to be simple. The gospel is simple. What Jesus did is simple. It's profound and it's deep and it's eternal, but it's simple. So today, I want to talk about being devoted again. And I want to talk about specifically being devoted to prayer. And before we begin, I probably should define what prayer is. Um, and basically, the, the most simple definition of prayer is prayer is conversation with God. That's as simple as I can make it. I think it's as simple as the Bible makes it. Now, when we look at that word prayer right there in this verse, it is this Greek word, prosuke. Prosuke 
Simply worded, it just means any reverent petition to a deity. For us, what this means is that it means conversation with the God of the Bible. Right? Not just any deity. It is conversation with the God of the Bible as revealed in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Prayer is just conversation with God. And when we talk about being continuously devoted to prayer, we are talking about being continuously devoted to communicating with God. Having a conversation. You know, when it came time for this brand new church in Acts 2.42, um, there was these big reasons why they devoted themselves. When it comes to that church, the Acts 2.42, there were some really big reasons, three specifically, why they devoted themselves to prayer. And I believe that these are three big reasons for us as well. Why we should apply ourselves and, and allow this to touch our lives in a way that we are devoted to it daily. And they prayed in Acts because, number one, They had hope. They had a number two, and these are the wrong order. I'm going to talk about them in a different order, but dependence on God. And then three, they desired for the advancement of God's word. So this first reason I'm going to talk about why we should be devoted to prayer has to do with our dependence on God. Our relationship with God is that of a child to a parent, sheep to a shepherd, creatures to a creator. We are dependent on God for life, for breath, for sustenance, for help in trouble, for love, forgiveness, mercy, all of those things. Now, we may like to think of ourselves as independent and self-sufficient, but we are not. We need God desperately. It is vital to our walk with the Lord that we acknowledge our need through prayer. Because it is the beginning point of our relationship with God. I mean, just listen to this prayer that David prayed in Psalm 86. It says, Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant." Who trust in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for you, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord. 
nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love towards me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seeks my life, and they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because of you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. That is a powerful prayer. That can be your prayer. You know, think back to those Christians, those first Christians in Acts 2.42. Think about the needs that they had. I mean, we read, I think last week we read about how Paul had to take an offering up for them from Macedonia and Achaia. I mean, these Christians were in severe need. They were probably losing friendships they were maybe losing their jobs losing customers if they had a business i mean we've got a lot of systems in place in america to keep us out of deep poverty they didn't have that all they had was the lord and they had to pray every day they were dependent on the Lord. Being devoted to prayer is how we express our dependence on God as well. I mean, Jesus himself, he taught us about dependence when he taught us how to pray. Matthew 6, verse 9, says, Then pray like this, Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. You see, in this simple prayer, Jesus taught us, all of his disciples, to come to God as Father not his employer. He taught us to honor God, not to repay him. See, we're to make requests of him, not demand earnings. We are to realize our need for constant forgiveness. And we are to request deliverance, not promise to try harder.
again, in, in, in our Western society, it's hard to access this kind of dependence on God. I mean, th- think about the sing- that single line in the prayer where it just says, give us this day our daily bread. I mean, most of us in the room have no need of daily bread. No one here is wondering where our next meal's coming from. And I would say that no one here has ever really felt real hunger. I'm not talking about you missed all your meals and it's dinner time and I'm starving. That's not hunger. Even if we don't know, even if we don't know it, even if we don't realize it, we are still dependent on God. And it's more than just food. Jesus is talking about more than just having our physical needs met. He is issuing an invitation for us. He's asking us as children of God to come to the Father daily for refreshing, for renewal, for nourishment of my soul and my body. And that phrase, give us this day our daily bread, it's designed to help us recognize our dependency. It's designed to help us recognize our dependency on the Lord for all nourishment. Say all. Everything, everything we have need of. That point in the prayer is to help us recognize our dependency on the Lord for all of our nourishment and to realize that this provision, it flows out of daily prayer. James 4.2, it makes a really strong statement concerning the necessity of prayer. It says, you do not have because you do not ask. That's about as plain as it gets. See, the Lord is ready to release a lot of things to us. He's he's really ready to release so many things, but His readiness, it does not remove our need of asking. In other words, the promises of God's care for us, they do not bypass our need for prayerful, acknowledged dependence. The Lord teaches us to turn willingly to the Father and call out in prayer for Him to work in our lives. Instead of relying on our own strength, we need to come to the Father in prayer daily, dependently, gratefully. Being devoted to prayer is not not desperate or demeaning kind of prayer. It's not frantic prayer. I mean, we've all done frantic prayer. It's not that, though. Frantic prayer is when we only turn to God in a crisis as a last resort. This is all your buddies on Facebook who says they're atheists, and then they get cancer, and they go, hey, prayers, please. That's frantic prayer. That's not what we're talking about. And, and prayer like this, 
dependent prayer. It's not depersonalizing either. That means that God does not, you know, require us to grovel in order to get some scraps of provision or to escape his wrath. That's not what this is about. Those are two very distorted views of prayer. No, being devoted to daily prayer is the way that we gain personal understanding of God's constant commitment to us. And it is how we participate in God's provision for our life. Being continuously devoted to prayer, it expresses our dependence on God. The other reason the Acts Church was continuously devoted to prayer is because they had hope for the future. Now, in the New King James Version of the Bible, when we read the end of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6.13, it has an additional line in the Scripture that's because some manuscripts have this in uh, the original manuscripts. And so... Uh, You'll find this in the New King James Version, but in Matthew 16, when it says, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And here's the addition. It says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, those lines are really powerful, even when it says power. But there's power in what's being said, because When we say yours is the kingdom, that is a hope builder. See, when we devote ourselves to prayer, our hope is supposed to rise. Hope in God, hope in our calling, hope in God's work, and hope for the future. See, hope is healing medicine for depressed believer. I can tell you that all of my darkest moments in my Christian walk are because I lost hope in something. Every ounce of depression I've ever encountered, it's because I saw no hope. No hope for change, no hope for things to get better, no hope that anything, it's just going to keep being the same. All my darkest moments. And I get, I promise you, I bet all of yours are that way too. Hope is medicine when we get depressed. Hope is like Advil for our soul. Especially when we suffer from chronic discouragement. See, when we pray, yours is the kingdom, we are expressing hope in God's reign and rule. We're saying, you, you're in charge. This is all your thing. We're telling God that we believe Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. See, our hope, it, it also grows when we honestly pray the next part, for yours is the power. See, we're not looking for answers that flow out of our ability. We are looking for answers that flow out of God's ability. Who who remembers playing on a team sport and your team's struggling 
really bad against a stronger team. Anyone ever have one of those moments? Yeah? Well, as you know, if you've ever been on a losing team in the midst of a game, one of the first things to happen is that you and your players often start losing hope. Yep. And as hope goes down, what happens? Skill goes down. Poor plays. Poor play execution. Poor play performance. Right? Well, guess what happens when you lose hope in life? Guess what happens when Team Tom starts losing? It's just like on a sports team. We get beat really bad. Now, think about one of those moments where your team got recharged because you just made a big play. You scored the point. Sometimes that, that play or that scoring moment happens because someone on the team had more strength than the hopeless players did, right? And they made the play. They pushed through. And it caused what happened, a ripple effect, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, we're back in the game. We're not, it's not over. He hit one out of the park. He hit a three-pointer. We just need two more to catch up. Or 20. And what does that do? Whenever that, that one or two or whoever, you know, kind of just said, we're doing this, we're playing, and we, we make the play, we, we score the point, what happens to the rest of the team? We get hope, and then what happens to our skill? Zing! We start playing over our heads now. We actually have better performance. We, we actually can start playing beyond our ability. Why? Because of one little thing. Hope. That's it. Has anyone ever had that experience? Anyone? See, when we honestly pray and tell God yours is the power, we are renewing our hope, not only in God, but also in ourselves. We, when we have received hope, we work harder, we achieve more, and we win spiritual victories beyond our ability. Who's got a fight in the spirit right now? You're battling something. I, thank you, Shelly. I see that hand. Come on, we all are. When we pray, hope releases our faith. When we devote ourselves to prayer, prayer releases hope. And when we have hope, hope releases faith. And then faith releases God to do God-sized stuff in our life. I mean, 1 Corinthians 3, 9 says, For we are God's fellow workers. That means we're in this with Him. Like we're partnering. We're on the same team. David said in Psalm 60, verse 12, he says, With God we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. See, this psalm, it was David's prayer for strength when he wanted to go defeat Goliath. That's what he was praying. We have to be devoted to prayer. 
Because prayer is a statement that we have hope for the future. Prayer gets God into the game so he can make a winning point and so we can overcome. Who needs God in the game? You know, the early disciples, again, they devoted themselves to prayer because they had hope for the future. I mean, Paul even prayed it for us in Ephesians 1, verse 15. It says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease in giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened so that you may know what is the hope. Say hope. Hope. So that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. When we devote ourselves to prayer, we do it because it declares we have hope. Everyone say hope. hope. We pray because we have hope for the future. And then the third reason that the early church prayed, and they were so devoted to prayer, they were devoted because it was for the advancement of God's work. This is a reason to be devoted. Some of you may know who D.L. Moody is. He's the guy that started the radio station you listen to. (laughs) No, but he did. He is the father of the Moody Bible Institute and the Moody, all that stuff. Anyway, he had some pretty cool stuff he said. One of the things he said is every great movement of God can be traced to a kneeling person. Jonathan Edwards, he said, there is no way that Christians in a private capacity can do so much to promote the work of God and advance the kingdom of Christ as by prayer. The advancement of the mission of God's work was a top priority for the supernatural family of God in Acts. See, Jesus had just given the apostles the great commission. He had just given them the great commission to go into all the world and make disciples. And they knew that 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 command would, that command to go would never work without God's help. They're like, we, I, this is too big for us. Jesus even told the, the, uh, the disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the helper to come. I mean, this is like, I gave you a job to do, now wait for this help, come. And as we've read several times, the Holy Spirit fell on all those in that prayer room in Jerusalem. And after that happened, then Peter, he goes outside and he preaches this short little message to everybody who's like, what's going on here? He's full of the Holy Spirit. He goes out, he preaches a short message. I mean, literally, if you read the whole thing from beginning to end, it maybe took you three minutes. Who would love a three-minute sermon? Yeah, anyone? I'm working on it. 
I am working on it. But he preaches this little message. And then he gives an altar call. And boom, 3,000 people join the family of God. How did that happen? Where did it start? It didn't start with Peter coming outside. I've prepared all my points. Why you messed up and killed Jesus? Because that's what he does. He's like, you, you messed up. <laughs> you got it wrong. But that's okay. He's, he'll forgive you. It didn't start there. It started with prayer. They were praying and waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. That's where it started. They prayed and they prayed and they prayed until the Holy Spirit fell. But guess what? They didn't stop praying. They didn't go, all right, I'm good. I got everything. Look at me. I'm powerful. My shadow heals people. That's amazing. They didn't stop there. They kept praying. They devoted. Say devoted. Devoted. They devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves. That prayer that Jesus taught them to pray in Matthew 6. That was like that was the prayer. I mean, that's the word it says. And they devoted themselves to the prayers. That definite article says that there were some specific prayers, like the prayers, the Lord's prayer, one of them. They devoted themselves to that. Jesus said, "Pray for the kingdom of heaven to come and for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven." He said, "Pray for that. Pray." And the early church, they devoted themselves to praying for the advancement of the mission of God. This was so important that Paul put this in four different letters. This issue of praying that the gospel would spread and be effective. He asked for it four times. 2 Thessalonians 3.1 Finally, brothers, pray, say pray. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. He says in Romans chapter 15, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers. Say pray. Strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Ephesians 6, he says in verse 18, he says, You're praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. And to that end, keep alert with perseverance, making supplication. It's another big Bible word for prayer. It's a type of prayer. Making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Colossians 4.2, he says, continue steadfastly in prayer. We're going to say all those words. Say continue Continue. steadfastly in prayer. prayer. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us 
that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which I, is how I ought to speak. Four times Paul said, this is, I need this kind of prayer. Four times he said, pray for the gospel to go forward. Pray for the word of the Lord to go forward. Pray that some people, these people will receive it. Who's ever heard of the medieval monk, Brother Lawrence? Well, he wrote a book called The Practice of the Presence of God. And in that book, he talked about how he carried the presence of God with him everywhere he went, no matter what he was doing. And in the book, he says, the time of business does not differ with me from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great tranquility as if I were on my knees. He is famous because he was a, he was a dishwasher in the monastery. That was his main job. He was famous because in everything he was doing, he's cleaning pots and bowls and whatever, utensils. No matter what work he was doing, he was in tune with God. He was thinking about him. He was conversing with him. He was having conversation, even though people were, as he says, all around and kitchens going crazy. He goes, I learned how to keep God with me everywhere. Everywhere. And so when it comes to being fully devoted to prayer, it is possible to do this in a daily busy life. Just repeat this. Say, I can stay stay devoted to prayer prayer in my busy life. life. I mean, we read that Paul said in Colossians 4.2, he says to continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And it's virtually, he says the same thing in Ephesians 6.18. He says, and praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And Paul was serious about this. This is what the early church was devoted to. This is what they were empowered to do when they were full of the Holy Spirit. And you see, this again, this prayer, it's not frantic prayer, it's not depersonalizing, it's not begging or groveling. This kind of prayer that we are to be experiencing every day is to be wonderfully positive. Because Paul said what? He said, be thankful. See, prayer is to be wonderfully positive because it's to be thankful full of gratitude and thankfulness. See, when we remember what the Lord has done through breaking of bread, our prayer life becomes full of thanksgiving. When I consider the blessings of my life and I look at my family and my children and my wife and and I, I, I see 
what is before me and how I don't deserve any of it. And I remember that God made me a better dad than I ever had hopes of being myself. That makes me grateful. And when I have gratefulness in my heart, I pray and it's fun. Because I'm telling God, thank you for saving me from being a crappy dad. You are so good to me. Because no one taught me this. This was special from you, God. The family of God in Acts 2.42, they were continuously devoted to prayer. Because prayer is communication with God. And when we are full of the Holy Spirit, we are devoted to prayer. We are declaring our dependence on God. We are declaring our hope for the future with God. And we are declaring declaring our earnest desire for the mission of God to advance. We have to be devoted to prayer. Our families have to be devoted to prayer. Our connect groups have to be devoted to prayer. Our church family has to be devoted to prayer. If we want to see God give birth to revival families, this is how it happens. So I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. I'm just going to ask you, how are you doing being devoted to prayer daily? How about your family? Are you as a family, are you devoted to prayer? Connect group, are you devoted? How are we doing when it comes to communicating our dependence on God? Are you allowing hope for the future to fill and fuel your prayers? Ask yourself, when was the last time you prayed for the the mission of new covenant to go forth and to advance? When's the last time you prayed? God, help us to reach the next generation. Help us to raise up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God. Help us to live holy, love deeply, Help me, O God, to serve sacrificially, to speak truthfully. God, help our church to go globally and the supernatural power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Are you praying that prayer? Or 
Or how about when was the last time you prayed for your connect group leader? Or your ministry team leader? Any of us pastors? I'm going to ask the question I ask every week. Will you mold and pattern your family to being fully devoted to prayer? Because this, we're not talking about death march prayer. We are talking about grace, race, full of thanksgiving, full of the Holy Spirit kind of prayer. Even when we don't know how to pray or what to pray for, the Holy Spirit can be praying through us in our spirit language. This isn't supposed to be hard. Because God gave us everything we need to be devoted to prayer. We just have to say yes. Well, if you have a yes in your spirit, I'm just going to ask you to stand up. If you're ready to say, yes, I want to be more devoted to prayer. Just put your hands out and we're just, we're here to receive. We're going to receive. First of all, we say, Father, we need the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled today. I'm asking you, God, to fill me up. You said if I would ask that I would get the Holy Spirit. And so I'm asking today to fill me up in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray for this house. I'm asking today, God, that you see the posture of our hearts. God, we have a yes in our spirit, Lord, because you put that yes in our spirit. And so we are just going to submit ourselves to the yes that you've put in our spirit today to be a people of prayer, to be a people who pray because we are dependent on you, God. We declare we are so dependent on you. We need you for daily bread in our spirit, our soul, and our body, God. We need need you, God, to help us in every point of our life. Help me to be a better dad, a better husband, a better friend, a better leader, a better servant, God. We need you to help us, and we are dependent. And I'm praying today, Lord, that you would acknowledge, God, that we are needy. Like David said, I am so needy of you, that you would pour out and fill us, God, with the power of heaven. Lord, we pray we are committed to prayer because we are going to be full of hope. We see you in the future. I see you in the future, God. Not a bigger problem, not a bigger mess. I see you, God. And that is why we're going to pray. We have a yes in our spirit because you are waiting for us in the future. Every prophetic word, every promise of the Bible is with you in the future. And we are coming to you, God. And Father, we repent for not praying for the mission of the gospel to go forth. Forgive me, God, for not praying for our church, for our leaders, 
for the part that I've been called to do here, God. I repent. I say, forgive me, please, Lord. Forgive my debt. I'm asking you, Lord, to remind me how to pray for our church, the mission you've given us, God. I'm asking you to remind our family in this room today and those who will hear by the podcast, remind us how to pray and when to pray every day, God, for the mission of our church to go forth. You put us here for a reason. Now we've got to pray it into into, into fruition, God. So I pray today, Lord, that as a praying people, that we would pray for the mission of this house. We would obey Paul when he said, please pray for me. Pray for the words that we put in my mouth. Pray that the gospel would go forth. We will pray those prayers, God. And I thank you for that, Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.